Welcome to the Courageous Worth Podcast. I'm your host, Empowerment Coach, Ashley Baxter. Whether from guest interviews or thoughts directly from me to you, every episode delivers messages on how to live with courageous worth because you are valuable and desperately needed in this world. Hey, this is Ashley. We are in the beginning of a series called Lessons from Trauma. Almost eight years ago, I was sexually assaulted in the form of rape. It turned my entire life upside down. I don't believe that all things happen for your good, but I do believe that good can come out of all the things that happen to you. By investing in my healing, eventually I no longer felt chained to the trauma and I had come out stronger, wiser, and much more. Lessons I learned in the process are powerful ones that apply to so many different areas of life, which is why I created this series to share these lessons with you. This episode, however, does focus on sexual trauma, specifically the misconceptions of it. It is primarily for those who have not experienced sexual trauma, and secondly, for those who have experienced it but have never dealt with it. It is less than 10 minutes long in order to not be information overload. Before I experienced sexual trauma, I would have greatly needed this episode because I believed all the widespread misconceptions out there about sexual trauma. The harsh reality is that these misconceptions hurt survivors and protect perpetrators. So the longer people believe them, the more damage is done. As a trigger warning, if you're a survivor of sexual trauma, I want to give you a heads up that I don't describe any physical acts done to me in this episode. Okay, before diving in, do me a favor. In a moment, I want you to pause this episode for 10 seconds. During that time, I want you to think what comes to mind when you hear on the news that someone was sexually assaulted. What assumptions do you instantly have about the victim, the perpetrator, where it happened, etc.? Pause now and then come back once you've done that. Okay, prior to being sexually assaulted, I would have thought this if I heard on the news a sexual assault occurred without knowing any of the details. I would have assumed it was a woman in her early 20s who was drunk, wearing very revealing clothing, walking by herself down a dark alley, and was sexually assaulted by a male stranger who had a weapon. In the aftermath, I assumed she would be rocking back and forth in shock and tears. I would have assumed that because that is what I have seen most depicted on television. I would have assumed that was the majority of most cases. I was so wrong. I want to share aspects of my story because very little of it lined up with what stories I'd seen in most shows and movies. Well, except for Law & Order SU, they do a good job of providing education. So as I share my story, I'm going to stop along the way to point out parts that don't line up with misconceptions and provide education on what is accurate with reality. First off, my trauma happened at one of the most high-end luxurious spas in my city. A common misconception is that most assaults happen in places like dark alleys or secluded parking garages. A sexual assault can occur anywhere, but those places are not the majority. Only 10% of sexual assaults occur in such places as dark alleys and secluded parking garages. It may surprise you to hear some of the other percentages, such as that 8% happen at schools, 12% happen at or near a relative's home, and 55% occur at or near the victim's home. I had already seen this male masseuse before two times at the spa, but the third time was when he sexually assaulted me. A common misconception is that in the majority of assaults, the perpetrator is a complete stranger to the victim, when in reality, that is only the case for 20% of sexual assaults. In 80% of assaults, the victim knows the perpetrator. Although I don't know the perpetrator personally, he wasn't a stranger since he had been my masseuse before. From what I now know about perpetrators, I know that the previous times he was trying to gauge if I was a type of person who would tell if he did anything. When he started assaulting me, I froze. 
My brain didn't compute what was happening. In my head, a single thought just kept repeating over and over. Think about it tomorrow. Think about it tomorrow. Think about tomorrow. It wasn't an intentional thought. That was just how my brain was responding to the trauma. I didn't fight. I didn't scream. I didn't try to run away. I froze. A common misconception is that fight or flight are the only responses to trauma but freeze is as well. Freeze is actually the most common response to sexual trauma. But since many do not know that, many victims aren't believed when they say they froze or they are shamed for not trying to fight or run away. There is not a best or right trauma response. You cannot say how you would respond if you were in a trauma situation because it isn't a conscious thought. It is an automatic response. As being a victim who froze, which again is like most victims, I can say that it is damaging to hear someone say to me, well, if that was me, then I would have, and that blank is always filled with any other type of response than freezing, implying that freezing is a wrong or weaker response. No one can predict how they would respond in a moment of trauma. Your brain goes on autopilot. No response is better or stronger than another. This is why we can't have reaction expectations for survivors of any kind of trauma. Moving on, when he stopped assaulting me, he said, that's all the time we have today, as if nothing had happened. I was utterly confused and in shock. Perpetrators we see portrayed in movies are always angry and giving threats, and none of that is what happened to me. I thought most assaults happen with a threatening weapon, but in reality, only 11% involve a weapon such as a knife or a gun. I often think that if he had been like perpetrators I had seen in movies, then it would have clicked sooner for me rather than the weeks of shock I was in afterwards trying to understand what had happened. Trauma and shock can do strange things to a person, and what I did after leaving the spot is an example of that. Afterward, I got in my car, called a friend and said, you won't believe what just happened to me. And while saying this, I was laughing. That probably seems really weird, but trauma and shock do that. They can show up in many ways that may not be what you've seen in movies and in ways that may seem weird. When survivors are expected to act a certain way in the aftermath, they often are not believed at all or as easily if they act differently than expected. Even though it took a while for the shock to wear off, I always find it so telling what I did when I got home. You see, when I get a massage, I don't shower until the next day because of the wonderful smelling oils masseuses use during a massage. But when I got home that day, I immediately took a shower, which is one of the most common reactions after someone who has been sexually assaulted. So even though it wasn't fully clicking in my mind, Somewhere inside, I knew that something had happened that was wrong, and I wish I could just wash it away. I share my story with you because it helps to hear stories that don't fit the mold of what is portrayed in most shows and movies. When the vast majority of our education on sexual assault is from movies, then we will only know a small fraction about the reality of it. This is harmful because people can have a more difficult time believing a survivor whose assault doesn't fall within the limited view we have in our mind of what a sexual assault is. Similarly, if someone is accused of sexually assaulting someone else, and if the accused doesn't fit with what we've seen in movies, then we'll be less likely to believe that person committed that crime. There are several more misconceptions, but here are a few we didn't cover that are most common. The vast majority of victims are female. False. The majority is, but is not the vast majority. Men make up a large percentage of victims. Perpetrators are only males. False. Many perpetrators are female. Victims may be partially to blame based on what they were wearing, doing, and so on. False. There is nothing. 
Nothing a person can do, say, or wear that has the power to compel someone else to harm them. Inadvertently, victim blaming is saying that victims have that power, which isn't true. A perpetrator is fully responsible for their actions. Sexual assault is not the victim's fault. As you reflect on all the misconceptions during this episode, I hope you're beginning to see how misconceptions hurt survivors and help perpetrators. The great news is that even 20 minutes of learning will make a tremendous change. Plus, I have a free PDF with a lot of education to help. The PDF was originally created for someone wanting to know how to support a survivor in their life. However, all of the information in there is a crash course on sexual assault and survivors. It also comes with another free PDF that walks a survivor through sharing their story in a way that has their self-care in mind. So if you are a survivor or know someone who is, that additional PDF may be beneficial as well. Otherwise, you can feel free to delete it. The link to sign up for the free PDF is in the description for this episode, or you can go directly to theashleybaxter.com, click on programs and resources, and then click on hashtag resources. Another benefit of being educated on the truth about sexual assault is you will be equipped with the knowledge to correct people when you hear them voice misconceptions. If looking for examples of exactly what to say in those situations when you hear someone voice a misconception, be sure to follow me on Instagram or TikTok at the Ashley Baxter for examples that I'll be putting into videos soon. Thank you so much for being here for this episode. I know this isn't an easy topic, but just because it isn't easy doesn't lessen how severe and rampant it is. I don't expect sexual assaults to never occur. I know that unfortunately is not a reality but tremendously more can be done to help survivors and to bring perpetrators to justice. Download those PDFs today in order to be part of the good fight. Next week's episode in this series of Lessons from Trauma, I share about the importance of seeking healing from the hardships in life, regardless of what your hardships may be. I hope you'll join me for that message. Also, if you're listening right now on Apple Podcasts, you're enjoying the show and have 30 seconds to spare, please give the show a five-star rating and write a one-sentence review on what you like about it. Until next time, remember that you are valuable and desperately needed in this world.